0: This is Star Talk.
1: Hi, Emily Rice here. Perhaps some of you know me as DJ Carly Sagan, but in my day job, I'm a professor of astronomy at the CUNY College of Staten Island and a research associate at the American Museum of Natural History. This is Star Talk All-Stars. I'm your All-Star host tonight with my comedic co-host in the studio, Chuck Nice. Hey Emily, how are
0: yeah. you? Good to be here.
1: This episode of Star Talk All Stars, we're talking about citizen science.
0: Yes. Very As exciting
1: to military science. <laughs> oh, like, yeah.
0: I believe they used to call them the gentleman science. The, gentleman, the scientist. gentleman scientists is what they. I think they used to call them because before there was a more formal coalescing of scientists. Right. Uh, you know, you had guys who basically like a Ben Franklin. Yeah. You know, who was indeed a scientist and an inventor, or you know, all these all these uh, very successful men uh, who literally
1: who, almost only dudes.
0: Right. Literally, almost only do this. Wealthy people, right? They were all wealthy. They could afford, right? And and what they did was they did they did science, you know, and 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 invented things and made discoveries. But at the same time, you know, it's not like they were uh, a scientist the way like, oh, I went to school to be a come. So it's kind of cool, and I think that we're seeing a resurgence of that today. I, th- I think you're seeing more and more people who are just like you know what I want to be. I don't care what it is. I do. I want science to be a part of it. And yeah. uh, we had I think it- that's
1: different than the way it was before because before you didn't you know not everybody could read right, and so the science kind of stayed in maybe the ivory tower yeah, for
0: exactly
1: talking about academia or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, but it's
0: been democratized now, and yeah. uh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and ahead. so yeah. we have
1: an expert guest to help us figure this out. We have. Karen Masters joining us via Skype from the UK. Karen is an astronomer at the University of Portsmouth.
0: Yay! Right?
1: Your official title. So, Dr. Karen Masters, of course. Everybody right. gets a PhD. They hand them out at some... Con- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, actually, I have to say thank you to Karen because, Karen, I, I don't know if you remember this. You, you probably do, but um, maybe you don't. We'll, we'll find out. You hosted me at Cornell. So, you did your PhD. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. So you did your Ph.D. at Cornell, um, home sure. of Carl Sagan also, um, but he, when I visited, so the great thing about doing a Ph.D. is when you when you get accepted to different Ph.D. programs, a lot of the times you get to go visit, and so Cornell was one of the places that I got to visit, and Karen actually hosted me when I visited way back when, I won't say the year, um, but I was also awesome because you okay. were house-sitting yeah. for your advisors. I was, so we had this crazy massive house in yeah, the woods, like right? Out in the woods yeah, in Ithaca, was... New York. I was terrified, but I had
2: such a <laughs> great... So I didn't end up
1: going to Cornell for graduate school, but I had a fantastic time at Cornell that it was actually a really difficult decision to make. I ended up going to UCLA... But I'll blame that on having wow. grown up in upstate New York. I know, yeah. right? So I was yeah. as much as I wanted to go to Cornell. I was bolted, for, uh, bolted for some sunshine for yeah. at least a little while. Right. But that was, you know, a long time ago. And now Karen and I have kind of intersected again in terms of science. We might talk to that a little bit later. But uh, talk about that a little bit later. But Karen is here to talk to us about citizen science because she was really in, in this burgeoning field on just about the ground floor. Wow. Yeah. We have really an an OG expert here. So
0: now citizen science, is it, uh, and I'm just, uh, just for my own clarification, is it a movement? Is it a, um, an organization? Is it like, what, what exactly, how would you exactly describe citizen science?
3: So there's actually there's quite a lot of debate about this and like different <laughs> people have different kind of definitions of citizen science. Um, I tend to think it's just any uh, any project where people who don't necessarily have to have a degree aren't professional scientists can contribute to the science.
0: OK. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so what was yeah. your citizen science? What citizen science project do you work on?
3: So um, the main one I work on is Galaxy Zoo, uh, where we show images of galaxies over the internet and we ask people to classify them. Um, And we then combine their classifications. We usually get 20 to 40 uh, people to look at each galaxy. So we get a really good consensus classification um, and then uh, combine that. And I I do research uh, with those classifications.
1: So people look at pictures of galaxies. Are these like Hubble Space Telescope pictures of galaxies Mm -hmm. Are they? Um, yeah. <laughs> so we've
3: done. Yeah, we've done loads now. Galaxy Zoo um, will be ten this summer, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we started with the Sloan Digital Sky Survey. Um, we've also done um, all of the public Hubble Space Telescope images. Um, oh. The UK uh, UKID survey, um, which was a UK Infrared Telescope Survey. Um, we right now we have DE CALS, which is a dark energy survey uh, camera.
1: So really, the- any camera. That takes Mm. pictures of galaxies... You have people, and how do you classify a galaxy? Like, do you have to have, you know, is there a galaxy ruler yeah. that,
0: that and, says? And, and who are yeah. these people? Is it just some dude sitting in a bar with a laptop? Uh, <laughs> <just> <laughs> yeah, like.
3: I mean, it could be. We have a, uh, There's an, a, a phone app now, so you can do it what? anywhere, really. Um, awesome. That's pretty nice.
0: Wow. Um,
3: the, the demographics are pretty much like the demographics of the internet. Um, so <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the internet is kind of middle class, uh, kind of a little bit younger, a little bit skews male. Um, that's the demographics of this universe.
1: Cool. Of the users, the galaxies. Yeah. Oh, what about the galaxies? I want to know about the galaxies. Yeah, so the
3: galaxies, um, we
1: ask pretty. We ask
3: a series of simple questions. Um, so, um, for example, the first question we ask right now is, um, Is this? Uh, do you see signs of features or a disk, or is this simply smooth and featureless? And so that's sort of the big distinction between galaxies, whether they're smooth and featureless, we call that kind of an elliptical galaxy, or um, if they have features like spiral arms, or you can see that it's an edge on disk, um, so that's kind of the big distinction. And then depending on what you answer there, you get asked other questions. So if you say you see features, you're asked, you know, what kind of features you see? Do you see spiral arms? Do you see a galactic bar? All those kinds of things.
1: And the users, you don't have to know anything about astronomy to do this, right?
3: That's right. Yeah, we, um, we deliberately keep the site pretty light of like tutorials. There is a tutorial, there's help test. Uh, help text but you don't like there's no the very first galaxy zoo we did we did test people but nowadays we, we don't do that we find that that people are pretty good um you know pattern recognition is something humans are really really good at um and it's not you know, you can I, I, I get classrooms of school children doing this and they're experts at doing this <laughs> at the end of a half hour.
0: Wow, that's uh, I think that's fantastic. I'm not surprised about that, frankly, yeah. because
1: sometimes, you know, school kids, if I give a talk to a school or something like that, some of those questions that they ask, I'm like, oh, boy, like these kids are good. Yeah. I'm and, not surprised that the kids are really good at this.
0: And I'm sure that gets them excited uh, about astronomy. <laughs> right.
3: And they're really contributing. I actually had a kid cry the last time I did this. I oh felt no! So because I at the end of the lesson, I made a big deal about how I was really going to use these classifications for my research, and so thank you for, for helping me out. And he was like, "Oh no, I did it wrong," and he cried. <laughs> I, th- uh,
0: I thought it was a sombrero galaxy. I'm yeah. sorry. Nah. So that's but a- it's
3: okay because we asked so many people about each galaxy, we you know, we can handle a, a few getting it wrong. Of course, we need to be able, we need to do that because there are you know the people who are just kind of stupid and. Whatever. But that's also
1: the great thing is that it's not just right or wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, with science, there isn't right or wrong. But there's, with with these, there's like, what do most people think? And so the yeah. idea is that most people think, you know, a gal- this galaxy has spiral arms or something like that. And you talked about pattern recognition, like, why don't we just have computers do this without people? Right, computers can do everything. So why yeah. not computers by themselves?
3: Computers are really good at lots of things, um, but they do get fooled pretty quickly. Um, so if there's foreground stars, spiral arms are pretty patchy. Um, they, they basically they can get it wrong in pretty stupid ways. And so we do definitely still use computer computerized measurements of the galaxies. Sort of in combination with this visual inspection, you get
0: the best of both worlds. Awesome! Wow, that is that's fascinating. And
1: this has resulted in real. Publica- for science, science is measured in kind of the publications. That's how our results yeah. are disseminated to other scientists, and so this has resulted in real publications, right?
3: That's right. Yeah, we're and really proud of that. Um, more than fifty now from the team, um, mm-hmm. but we also make our classifications public um, as soon as we're confident that that right. we've kind of uh, knocked out all of the systematics and stuff. And so oh, wow. we're seeing people just make use of it um, as another piece of information about galaxies, which is great.
0: Like so meta publications. Uh, uh, just, just as a Point of clarification for me: uh, When you are, um, when you are gathering the information from the uh, different people who are doing the observations for you, um, how? What is the process of, of gaining that consensus? Is it just? Um, a number of people who said the same thing, or is it a certain criteria that is met within each observation or how, how is that done? How do you guys then uh, yeah. ascertain?
3: Well, we're actually we're, that's an area of research in itself. Like what's the yeah. best way to get consensus from wow. a set of people. Um, and so, you know, we started out doing pretty simple stuff. Um, we asked very simple questions, kind of yes, no questions at each point of the tree. Um, uh, so then each question you can kind of, you can either just say, well, you know, 90% of people who saw this uh, galaxy answered this thing. So we give it 09 um, but then we realized we could kind of test how good each user was. And so we test how well the users tend to agree with the consensus answer. And if they're very divergent, we then would downweight them. Um, so oh, we kind wow. of weight use. So if someone is consistently going in and doing it wrong, it doesn't matter. that They'll just get wiped in the data. It's kind um,
0: of
1: like an Uber rating system. Is it an Uber yeah. rating system
0: almost? Oh my
3: for-
1: <laughs> it's Uber for <laughs> like the galaxy. That's you're awesome. You're sitting yeah. there like giving them stars or something like that. Each of the yeah. users. Cool. Cool. But uh, can people learn what their ratings are, what their user ratings are, or no? Do you make that <laughs> yeah. public? Well, so no, we <laughs> don't make that public.
3: Um, yeah, we go back and forth about that. I mean, there's a huge research area as well around motivation and why people volunteer and how we can mm-hmm. um, make sure that, that that people who volunteer realize that their contributions are valued. Um so there are, you know, social scientists who will study the Zooniverse and study. So the Zooniverse is is Galaxy Zoo plus all of the projects that came after Galaxy Zoo using mm. the same uh, platform.
0: Super There's cool. So
1: many more questions I want to ask Karen, but let's go to our cosmic queries. Yeah, we need to get to the cosmic and get queries. Some questions
0: from uh, yes, our from
1: Patreons first.
0: you know it, Emily. Of course, we always do Patreon first because it's not about
1: the money until we need the money and then it's about the money. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Patreons for your support Absolutely. and all Access subscribers.
0: Um, and uh, so let me uh, before we get into this because uh, just just before we do anything where can they uh, where can they volunteer? Karen?
3: Oh, right. So yeah, Zooniverse want... is uh, www.zooniverse.org and um, you can find Galaxy Zoo uh, through that or just directly at www.galaxyzoo.org.
0: Okay, there you have it. All right, let's let's uh, let's get our first question. And this is Dan Cowden from Patreon and he says this. It is often said that astronomy is one of the few areas of science where amateurs are still able to make a contribution to major discoveries. Have you used amateur Astronomer groups in any of your research.
3: Yeah, um, so I mean, the, the amateur astronomers are very welcome to to contribute to Galaxy Zoo. Um, if that's something that's interesting to them, um, we do have quite different demographic demographics to the sort of typical amateur astronomy demographics. Um, So,
1: amateur um, astronomers are sometimes thought of as people with their own telescopes. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how. And, you know, some people have very sophisticated personal telescopes. They found supernovae and and things like that. But this is, we might almost call this, like, armchair astronomy, right? Because you don't need any special. You need a laptop or a computer or your phone. And you can look at, you know, real images from the Sloan Digital Sky Survey or the Hubble Space Telescope or the dark energy camera. This, it's even, armchair is almost too it's like pajama astronomy yeah. <laughs> like,
3: maybe so, so some amateurs definitely do do this you know if i give a talk at an amateur society probably about half the room at least know about galaxy zoo or have used it um so yeah uh but i think you know uh, i think maybe the question is more referring to the amateur images maybe yeah. um, and we yeah. haven't yet explored making use of the images taken by amateurs Oh, okay. Like variable star observers. Um, Yes, that's
1: a whole thing. Right, yeah. 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 So there's even more, like the Galaxy Zoo is kind of the professional astronomers and the pajama astronomers, for lack of a better term. But even so, the AAVSO is what it's called Amateur Astronomy Variable Star. And what was American the, Association American, of
3: Variable Star Observers. Yes, yeah. thank
1: you. That's exactly it. That's even a tighter amateur astronomy and professional astronomy because these these variable stars, they're they're changing all the time, but professional telescope time is very, very limited. And sometimes you don't need a big telescope like the right. Hubble Space Telescope or a, a Keck telescope or something like that to, to monitor a variable star. You just want a lot, a lot of time with a small telescope. Right. And a lot of the time, that's what amateur astronomers have. And so they can monitor these stars, share their data with this AAVSO, and do science like that way. And so there's kind of a lot of different tiers and ways that people can contribute to real astronomy research. Which I think that's this is unprecedented. That is both in terms of time. Well, maybe that. So I read a little bit about the history of citizen science, and maybe you know these kind of the gentleman scientists were a little bit kind of um, citizen scientists, although I would argue they had time and money, and so they were you know, and they a lot of them had. um, You know, they were supported by, like, the reason that we might have called Uranus George is because King George
3: funded the Herschels. He opened the
0: purse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Um,
1: But there's
3: a neat story, though. Edwin Hubble put out a call for um, amateur astronomers across the United Kingdom to track um, the progress of, I think it was an eclipse, Um, and so he asked people to, like, write in in letters, you know, when they observed this eclipse happening at their location so he could put that all together.
1: Oh, Um, wonderful. Thanks. Awesome. We our next guest, we're gonna have a guest for the third segment who might be able to talk a little bit about an update to that, which is really exciting. We have to take a break. We're gonna wrap up this part of the show, but we'll be right back with more citizen science with Karen Masters. Welcome back to Star Talk All-Stars. I'm your host, Emily Rice. Co-hosting with me today is comedian Chuck Nice. Hey, hey. Amateur astrophysicist, I think so, (laughs) and brain surgeon, and all-around awesome guy. Oh,
0: thanks.
1: (laughs) And joining us via Skype, we have astrophysicist Karen Masters, who is, what's your official term with the Galaxy Zoo? Your project scientist for the Galaxy Zoo, is that right? Mm -hmm. Um, That is right. And this is something that, like, literally while everybody is listening, you should be going to these websites and doing it. You can multitask, you can learn with your ears or with your eyes if you're on all access, and you can learn with your fingers and your eyes. At the, your eyes might be doing two things, but you can <laughs> you can participate in the science. So there's Galaxy Zoo, which is for galaxy classification, and these are all .org. So www.galaxyzoo.org. .org. So I don't want to know what is there. galaxyzoo.xxs .xxx. and I always <laughs> take it there. <laughs> we shouldn't. <laughs> That'll get edited out. Um, but the, but it's but it's a bigger there's a bigger thing, right? So it's not just Galaxy Zoo anymore. Now there's the whole Zooniverse, which I love. A nice uh, what's the term for it? Portman, Portmanteau. Uh,
0: when you take the two I just call them, them mashups. <laughs> <laughs> word mashups.
1: I think there's a French word for it, but I like word mashups even better. So, so Zooniverse is now the umbrella platform, for lack of a better word, for how many citizen science projects now are on Zooniverse. Oh,
3: like 60 or something. 60. Um, so yeah, the big innovation like about a year and a half ago was the launch of Project Builder. So for simple projects now, you can go in and do a lot of the development yourself. You upload the images, you can set the sets of questions. And so, I mean, that that meant that a lot more projects could launch.
1: And who is this you? This is for scientists. Scientists say they have a huge amount of data, oh, and yeah. my students have to sleep and eat. And so, instead of having a student, that's how Galaxies Zoo started, right? Is that instead of yeah. having there's a there's one particular student, right, who kind of set the bar? Kevin, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. And he's so, still involved in the project. And um, there's a unit of the Kevin, right? A certain <laughs> number of classifications right. in a certain week, amount Kevin. of time. <laughs> yeah, what I Kevin could do was, in a week, and yeah, yeah, and then how many? And then it was done in you know a certain number of minutes or something. Once Galaxies Zoo opened up, yeah yeah poor kevin certainly in the early days it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> a kevin week um, i think i'll know what i've made it when press-
3: yeah, but the project build is actually available to everyone. I mean, I, you know, it was, it was kind of envisaged for scientists and certainly the big projects that launch um, must have a science, like a research goal. So that's one of the sort of stipulations of a Zooniverse project is that there's a science team who want uh, the input and, uh, and have a plan to, to publish it and, and do um, research with it. But anyone can actually um, make a simple project to run with their friends. So, you know, you mm-hmm. could use it. You could go out and take pictures of trees and upload them and have your friends classify them for you. Or whatever you want to do. With. It's
1: pretty cool. <laughs> Could we make a new like hot or not or something like that? I <laughs> this that, that's how Facebook and, started. You know, so we're not going to do that. Deputy project scientist Brooke
3: Simmons uh, famously she can do a demo. She can launch a project in ten minutes. <gasps> I heard about talking.
1: that. She did it's, it. On, it's Insane. I, I cannot do that. I, she just I did it at a conference. <laughs> I feel like, did. and I was following along on Twitter. This is the this is the also secret is that you can kind of listen into to a lot of astronomy like a real research astronomy stuff on Twitter Really, like yeah. we we hashtag all of our conferences. We have conversations, and that's you know Twitter is public. And so I think I actually watched on Twitter as Brooke was giving the live demo at those was it Space Telescope Science Institute? Yeah, a it was weeks what, ago? it was finding things in data. What was it right, called? Right, the discovering the hidden, discovering the unexpected conference, discovering the it. unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so find it, you know, follow a couple astronomers. Karen is on Twitter. Karen L. Masters, I believe, on Twitter. That is it. Yeah. I'm on Twitter. I talk a lot about fashion and sometimes science um and but so so the whole thing is now called the zooniverse is it all space is it all science or
3: is it all astro pictures
1: it's not all space
3: um it's categorized by different things we have a lot of um kind of nature projects so there's a really popular one snapshot serengeti looking at images of animals on the serengeti i
1: feel like that's where you know as as cool as astronomers are and if i do a career day or something like that and if there's a veterinarian there oh i'm done (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) firemen also especially in new york city i like that one
3: (gasps) i want to count penguins penguin watch is counting (laughs) penguins uh from again camera traps Um, awesome So there was one about marking when the snow starts and uh, Higgs Hunters is looking for unusual Higgs Higgs Hunters. Yeah. Particle physics looking for unusual particle collisions in collider
1: data. There's Uh, citizen science particle physics. Yeah, there is that's yeah I was gonna you know I, I was gonna say make there's a joke yeah, that I think there's, there might
0: be fewer citizens <laughs> for that one. some
1: some people are into that like yeah. you know I want to say like oh there's no you know like amateur neurosurgery or something like that but I can almost kind of imagine you know if you have brain scans that you need to sort yeah. through or something right. like that it's really the like the so and some of it's even not science, but even more, so there's STEM, which is which is science, technology, Ooh. engineering, and mathematics, but then there's also STEAM, right, which adds the oh, art that's aspect right. yeah. into so it. Yeah, um, uh, so
3: annotation, uh, so reading, uh, it turns out handwriting is pretty hard to read, so people scan, <laughs> you know, uh, digital images. Um, there's a really neat one, it's called Shakespeare's Folio, so it's not Uh, papers from around the time of Shakespeare and so you kind of have to um, see if you can decipher what what they're talking about find the recipe for mince pies from Britain in 1600 or whatever awesome Um, yeah it's there's a lot of fun stuff you can do in Zooniverse. I think a project for everyone, really. So, yeah, wow. it's like
1: humanities research as well as as well mm-hmm. as scientific research, which yeah, is super that, cool.
0: That's fantastic. And I
1: like that it's not, you know, sometimes it's portrayed as science versus arts or something like that. But there's really a nice interplay. Really quick questions, and then we'll get to the cosmic queries. What's the what's the number one all-time most popular project on Zooniverse?
3: galaxy zoo of course it, and it?
1: it's true actually um still, people okay. do get
3: distracted by penguins and snapshots <laughs> and it might not be the number one popular one now like right now but um uh, yeah but it's got
1: the og going for it and so it's got yeah, such it, a build-up right you know okay the, yeah. yeah okay so even though we know we love all our flavors of coke still the original coke is is the most popular what's your favorite besides galaxy zoo so galaxy zoo is obviously your number one favorite. what's your number two let's even say I- non-astronomy
3: yeah, I do have a fondness for Penguin Watch. I okay. think that's that really fun. And, you know, it's so easy to do. You just click on the penguins. Um,
1: <laughs> it's like that it's almost like a video game.
3: Yeah, awesome. my, I do that one with my kids, actually, because they, you know, Aww, and, then, and then when they click randomly, I'm horrified. But then I'm like, no, no, OK, I know how this is done. Let's not do this again, kids. But it's
1: fine. nobody cries when they don't click on, yeah, click on the penguin. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good.
0: Well, speaking of video games, it's so funny you mentioned that because Doug uh, Bollig from Facebook says this. I've read a lot about the game Foldit being used oh, by it. ordinary citizens to help scientists prove or solve the structure of retrovirus enzymes i read about this some time ago uh are there any good websites or games that ordinary citizens can use to help with discovering the cosmos has anybody developed anything <laughs> like that
3: <laughs> um well maybe galaxy zoo uh yeah, we, so that's you know all we it's not gamified. Um, It's not a game. Uh, We kind of stayed away from that because we want to kind of keep this sort of, it's a serious vibe, right? We're doing research with this. So it's not, uh, it's not gamified, um, but it's gamized. Um, we're playful with it. Um, we we have the galaxy letters. You can write your name in galaxy. I love that. It keeps, I do
1: that all the time. Yeah,
3: I love <laughs> the galaxy letters, and you know the blogs and the newsletters have fun kind of things. I love Daily Zoo, which is the sort of the Zooniverse blog, and it highlights different projects every day. Um, it's really a fun blog, actually. So
1: awesome. So it's not. So it's it's not quite gamified, but it's kind of community.
3: Yeah. So once you you make something a game, people start playing the game to win the game. And we didn't want that, right? We wanted people to do the classification well so that we get good research out of it. Um, so there's been a lot of thought put into this, and, mm-hmm. and the decision is to stay away from it being a game. But you know, we, we do enjoy the fun aspects of it. So it we still have to sounds like a lot fight. of fun. Right. Yeah. yeah, maybe okay. it's more.
1: It's more like a. It's it's like a non competitive game. It's more. It sounds more like a world that you live in. Maybe like maybe mm-hmm. Second Life or that type of thing. You know, this you this do get, kind of like get community that
3: you join. Badge that says how many classifications you've done. Yeah, different colors for the different projects and things. And, you know. it,
1: and so you collect things. Mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit like a game to me. Honestly, it
0: sounds like a lot of fun. It's more like Sims. It's more like The Sims than than an actual game. There you go. All right. Well, Doug, there's your answer. This ain't no game. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Except that's fun stuff to win. (laughs) Right. Let's move on to Ryan Daly, who says... uh, I've been in the culinary world for 15 years. Recently, I've contemplated developing menus, uh, processes, and tools to use to facilitate cooking in microgravity and lower-than-Earth gravity. Does this appear to be a worthy enterprise? Talk about being a citizen scientist.
1: Yeah, that someone's a little bit different, but, man, we all got to eat. So (laughs) I'm going to say this is actually one of the, like, one of the most interesting things, I think, that Chris Hadfield— Chris Hadfield was kind of, like, the first, you know, kind of uh, astronaut popular— like, astronauts are always popular, but for some reason, Chris, like, seemed to really, like, I don't know. He's definitely struck a nerve with his videos, and one of the things I remember is just, like, how they eat and what they eat. And I think they eat a lot of, like, tortillas and peanut butter. (laughs) <laughs> was one of the things that I remember. Like right. peanut butter is nice and sticky, and so you can get it to stick to something. Right. And it doesn't it's not going to away on you. Yeah, right. And but plus then they'll also, you know, they'll they'll squirt out a little bit of juice, and then like go after like Pac Man or something like that. Because yeah. like you don't, the teardrop shape of liquids falling is from gravity. Right, right. And so if you don't have, you know, you, there is gravity, but they're in free fall with the with the gravity, and so you have circles of things. And right. so yeah, it's definitely a little bit different than the citizen science that we're talking about. But I think people, you know, can contribute to science and scientific exploration in a lot of Ooh, different ways
0: cool yeah well there you go uh hey man go for it you know because we're all hungry yeah so, we, we're gonna uh, go to
1: mars you, we gotta eat yeah too. we gotta eat
0: so do your thing um i am going to read this question guys even <laughs> though it may not have a great deal to do with what we're talking about uh maybe derek just uh uh Sucked me in with a psychological lure because he he put a little reverse psychology uh, in his in his question. Uh, This is Derek Kaler, and he says, "I know this won't get answered." (laughs) So so Derek, yeah, Derek, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker, (laughs) Derek. You just got me. Now Uh, we know
1: the secret, right? You
0: know the secret. I know this won't get answered, but I'll waste my time anyway (laughs) because it's important. Okay so wow. yeah and I, what I like is he's he's suckering me with reverse psychology and he's got an attitude. <laughs> okay and he says uh, why and, and I don't know Emily maybe you might have an insight into this but you know I, I know you're you're more into low mass stars than I what this am. is. Uh, this says why doesn't NASA experiment with sex in space? It would seem important to know how not only the fluids transfer, but also pregnancy is affected in microgravity and how the radiation from space will affect uh, will affect it. Uh, We're going to need to know this if we're ever going to send humanity into deep space. So I I feel like he's sincere in a way uh, about this. But, you know.
1: Sorry about that, we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing, we are we're almost out of time. We're going to break in a second. The weird thing is. I've had a conversation about pregnancy and microgravity with Neil Tyson on the street.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, well, yeah, I remember that day. Well, yeah, Yeah, right. we, yeah, we would have to I that day. I was very heavily pregnant. <laughs> yes, and were. so
1: it came up in conversation. But it's, I mean, these are a lot of things. So the sex in space, yeah, that's, I think that's been discussed before. It's also, you know, GalaxyZoo.XXX, I think. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> um, But the, like, I thought about gravity a little bit in terms of giving birth. Like, does that, you know, does it have to go down? But I think the answer is no. Okay. And now, you know, oh, so many things, You know, you like even like um, pregnancy and fertilization, like you can have in vitro fertilization, you know, there might be like even in the future, like artificial wombs and things like that. And so there's definitely a, a biological challenge to... Um, you know multi-generational space travel right and the probably the sex and space is like the most interesting part but that's also the part that you know is going to get cut first in, in a budget there you go okay <laughs> and it'll probably happen anyway is right that's what I was going to say so, the real
0: answer is <laughs> we're going to find a way to do it okay <laughs> so you can rest assured <laughs> all right thank uh, you
1: so much so we got to take a short break we're going to let Karen go Karen thank you so much. Much for being here hopefully you get a nice spike in traffic on galaxyzoo.org and zooniverse.org you can go pick out your favorite project to work on all of our star talk listeners uh we'll take a short break and we will be right back with another special guest to talk to us about citizen science when star talk all stars returns Welcome back to Star Talk All-Stars. I'm Emily Rice, your all-star host for the evening, and I'm joined by my comedic co-host, Chuck Nice. Yes,
0: that's right.
1: And we have been talking about citizen science and how regular space and science geeks, kind of everyday people, can make meaningful contributions to research. Uh, we have another special guest on her way, um, and... As she literally makes her way (laughs) into the studio, we'll take some cosmic queries. Then we'll hear from, so on her way is Jackie Faherty, who is uh, involved in a hot-off-the-presses new citizen science project that's on the Zooniverse. And so I want to make sure that everybody hears about that. And while we wait for her, we will answer some cosmic queries.
0: All right. And this is something that uh, since, uh, and I know you uh, got to astronomy a little later yeah. yeah, which is, in a way, kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, uh, do you think, and I'm sorry, uh, Ocean McIntyre. Uh, Ocean, what a cool name, huh?
1: I, a friend of mine just had a baby named Ocean.
0: Get out of here. Yeah, and really? she's
1: also, the, her mother, and actually a friend of Jackie's as well, is a biochemist who studies snails. Wow. Like ocean snails, and they they take out the venom and try to make medicine out of the venom from these snails.
0: That's a hot thing right now. Yeah, you know, it's super cool. And they're doing that with every uh, venomous creature on Earth. It seems like
1: what doesn't kill uh, you maybe makes you stronger.
0: There you hopefully? go, right? I and don't want to. Fi- awesome I science. don't want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> It'll
1: be well tested. Well,
0: well tested. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ocean McIntyre says this. Do you think light pollution is impacting? The sense of awe that influences Uh. wonder and public interest in science and astronomy. Wow. Uh, 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 That's a pretty...
1: Yeah, that's pretty heavy. Pretty like, heavy on question. Hand, light pollution is definitely a thing. Like, you you know, the vast majority of people in the U.S. now live in cities. Even around the world, a, a large fraction of people live in cities. And in cities, you just can't see, you can't see a lot of the stars anymore. You can't see the Milky Way anymore. And so I- if you think that that's where the inspiration comes from, then, yeah, we've definitely lost that a little bit. But on the other hand, the great thing about kind of modern society that's enabled by these cities is the ubiquity mm-hmm. of and the accessibility of all the information. And so, the, like, you can... You know, of course, the Internet, you can find a lot of this data yourselves. You can participate in the data with all these projects on the Zooniverse, uh, participate in the analysis, but you can also just see it everywhere. Like Hubble Space Telescope images are now, you know, a category on Jeopardy and, and like used in advertisements and on clothing and things like that. And right. so in a way, the you know, even if we've lost a little bit of our night sky, now I feel like the inspiration is kind of not only in the night sky, but just in everywhere like just you know kind of seeping into everyday life and that's really exciting for me as an astronomer you don't need the dark sky you don't need a telescope in order to experience astronomy really it's great to do like i love you know if if i happen to be somewhere and being able to see the stars but it's also cold and dark
0: yeah well (laughs) a lot of the time when Uh, you have to do that that is so true
1: scared of the dark (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: well and that's funny i gotta tell you though but uh uh, I was up on um, what's it called uh, the High Line here in New York City. Oh yeah, and um,
1: and we even we do which uh, High Line is a place that people do observing from. Yes, the they Amateur do.
0: Astronomy and, society and yeah. that and uh, the, 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 that's right. And you go there at certain times. They post it online. Yeah, and the cool thing is they will let anyone who is interested. Come view what they're observing. Yeah. So I was there with a friend of mine, and uh, he he saw Saturn for the first time. And everybody loves Saturn, because you can actually see the rings. Yeah. You, you look up in just, the sky and you, you can— you know,
1: we st- take it for granted, I think, sometimes. Like, even looking at the moon. Well, yes. Through a telescope, because the moon is there all the time. Right. Oh, moon. But seeing the moon through a telescope—
0: Unbelievable, especially when it's shaded. Yeah, like, oh, and you, if you get have up, a nice, you a know, oh, nice Oh, God, like a half—yeah, for a, Oh, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and I just it's think the that there's— The
1: of Saturn, yeah. Ex- yeah moons, ex- a lot of the times you can see Titan. Yep. And you can see the moons of Jupiter. You can see the bands on Jupiter. Yeah, like and and there's some, you know there's one thing to see the the telescope images which are amazing, but to see it kind of live like that through yeah. a telescope is is it also does something a, to you an impactful thing. Yeah, yeah, it
0: really does something to you. I got to tell you. So, yeah. hey, great question, great question. So, and uh, our
1: guest is here. Oh, Yay! look at this. <laughs> Worth the wait. Thank you, Jackie. Oh
2: yeah, (laughs) I had to run to get here. Yeah,
1: worth it. I have. How are you? You want to take a breath? Are we are we live still? We'll still. Yeah, we'll just jump right into it. Jackie's a pro. Ah. Jackie,
0: Jackie, <laughs> this Hi. is Chuck. I'm Chuck. Chuck, <laughs> nice to meet yeah, you. It's a pleasure, Jackie.
1: Uh, so, with me now is Jackie Faherty Jackie is a senior scientist and senior education manager in the Department of Astrophysics and the Department of Education at the American Museum of Natural History, which is just uptown from us. And you just came from there. I was just there for what? Sun Earth Day. Today is Sun Earth Day. Did you know that Happy uh, Sun Earth Day? Hey, Chuck. <laughs> hey, thank
0: you. Yeah.
1: Yes, Sun, sun Earth, Earth.
0: Earth Day. So, tell us what. Uh, tell me. For uh, I'm going to say I'm ignorant of Sun Earth Day.
2: Well, I think it's a new concept. Is we're really Really close to the equinox when we're at equal day, equal night, or right. when the seasons are about to change. And so the museum—I hope so, God. Hopefully, the slush on the streets is disgusting. <laughs> okay, so true. Yes. There was a lot of slush. I ran through to get here Thank to you, you. today. Uh, but so the the museum decided to celebrate the Earth Sun relationship. Where also is that? Does that sound weird? No, like it, it sounds no. awesome. Earth and the, sun. The, earth yeah. and the Sun have a, a relationship. relationship. Very edible. Totally. Very
0: edible. Yes, um, they have a relationship.
2: They're they're um, very tight. It's a very close relationship. Um, it's, monogamous. We're celebrating its four and a half billion year anniversary, I yeah, think. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh-huh. So, so it, I was giving talks about um, magnetic fields and our solar neighborhood – cool yeah so it's awesome
0: and is it true that our magnetic field is what saves us from being eaten alive by the sun it's one (laughs) of the things the sun is really the sun is really out to get us i know the sun and the earth have a great relationship but the sun and human beings
2: not so much (laughs) it's funny i wanted them to use that in a story and it, during the during the Earth Sunday today. Uh-huh. And they were afraid that kids would run away afraid of the sun. So
0: Oh oh so so you wanted yeah. to actually talk about the magnetic field and how the sun The uh, dangers,
1: dangers. The dangers of the so sun. The so magnetic field protects us, but the sun is trying to kill, right, kill us. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? yeah, the, the sun, the yeah, the the sun is a bad person. A it's
0: vicious. Yeah, the sun does not care. No. Okay. The sun is a gangster. <laughs> that's bold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, come on, get us? sun like what's the sun going to do come yeah. down and <laughs> this mole is looking a little bit funny right?
2: <laughs> sun is dangerous but the magnetic field protects us and venus and mars lack a major magnetic field right. so we think the magnetic fields are an ingredient for life in if you're going to look for a planet, a magnetic field is probably something you're going to want to see.
0: Interesting. But
2: it's hard to measure. But
0: I thought yeah. Venus had like this incredible cloud cover. Is yeah. that right? Yes. So now, is there any way that I'm sorry, I'm taking us way off of what we're we'll going, get to but, it. But you know, when, once I when I have you guys in front of me, I gotta I gotta get, I gotta suck as much information out of you as I can. But so is is it possible that perhaps a cloud cover or or an atmosphere could be, um, shall I say, a substitute for a magnetic field, or does the radiation um, uh, uh, penetrate no matter what?
2: Such a good one. The story pirates that were there today, they took two ways of attacking this issue that we have called climate change. Mm -hmm. It's real. And, uh, And because we wanted to make sure that it was out there of the ways that you could protect the earth, we talked about both. One, magnetic field. We're not really messing around with that, but we are messing around with our atmosphere. And the atmosphere is a protector, but it can't protect you from everything. And actually, without the magnetic field, our atmosphere would be in danger of mm. the sun's radiation. So the magnetic field is also protecting uh, the atmosphere. Yeah,
1: magnetic field to protect our atmosphere. Yeah. And then the atmosphere protects us, us until we mess up the atmosphere so much that it doesn't protect us Wow, that's what happened on Venus right The Venus doesn't have a magnetic field and so the atmosphere kind of did a run runaway greenhouse effect in the beginning of the solar system so now the atmosphere of Venus will kill you wow before the sun does yeah cook a pizza and then kill you Nice, um, But let's talk about why we have Jackie here. I'm yes, so excited yes, about this. Yes, so I yes, should yes, say, yes, yes, yes. Jackie is a longtime collaborator of mine. She's actually a, a co-founder of the BDNYC, my research group here in New York City, um, our research group here in New York City. But today she's here as a citizen science Pi. Mm. So she has this exciting new project. So we've been talking about citizen science on this show with Karen Masters, who is from uh, the Galaxy Zoo, which is now part of the Zooniverse platform. And you have a new project on the Zooniverse platform that I'm so
2: excited about. Tell us about it. Yes. What's it called? It's called BackyardWorlds.org.org. We wanted to call it Rogue Worlds, but uh. we, got, we, we lost Rogue Worlds because um, it's a NASA-based project. And right when we were choosing Rogue Worlds, NASA had all of the handles coming out of going rogue with all of the various departments oh. right. and so Rogue now means something a little different. yeah. yeah. so so when our website being called Rogue Worlds, they took that away. But does, Na- does NASA not like that? So I, Chuck has a NASA T-shirt for the, for the all-access Yeah, if you uh, people, people are you going, going to watch this
0: own video, I'm, I'm actually wearing a NASA T-shirt. My kid t-shirt. has Who one of the rogue
1: that? NASA meatballs that says rogue. A friend of mine got it for me. Thank you, Marta. <laughs> Thank you, Marta. Got one for my, my baby. So my baby's rogue
2: NASA. Rogue but NASA. It's, so it's called Backyard World. It's oh, called Backyard World. Which backyard. is cool because what water. are you looking for? So yes, what do the, people do? The, the project's really, really interesting and uh, fairly easy to do. Where we've taken images that a NASA NASA mm-hmm. spacecraft uh, <laughs> called Wise um, they image the entire sky
0: uh-huh.
2: and several times so that you can take a picture, wait a bit of time, right, take another picture, wait a bit of time, uh-huh. take another picture, and if you blink, flip through those pictures in succession, uh-huh. and an object is close enough, you see it move.
0: So it's like uh, you're creating a flip book.
2: You're making a yes. gift. Yeah. Thank you. That yeah. was a great advertisement. We yeah. have created flipbooks.
0: You created flip books. Yeah. This is That's very, very cool.
2: Flipbooks for anybody to help us look through because we've got the entire sky. So oh. it's not one, one flip book. It's millions of flip books.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so now anyone who accesses this can uh, use the flipbooks or, you know, uh, flip through the flipbooks. And then what exactly do you want them to look for?
2: So they flip. And then we ask them to mark anything that they think moves in the flip books. That then sends it to a database for us to look through. Okay, And so I love our citizen scientists, but we don't trust one person to be able to (laughs)
0: make
2: the ultimate decision. So we ask 15 different eyes in order to. So each
0: flip book gets 15 15 sets of eyes, and then you cross-reference their answers to figure out.
2: We have if if we really think that somebody picks something good because you know you could go in there and maybe you were you're not in the best of moods your eyes aren't working so well I've been drinking I didn't want to say that it could be a children's program yeah
0: no uh, it's a children's program but all these children know I drink you're at
2: the bar and you decide Jackie just told me about Backyard Worlds I'm gonna give it a go and you start flipping and marking whatever the heck you think you see every
0: single thing is moving exactly
2: (laughs) Uh, the moment Most amount of clicks we got in one flip book. How many do you think it was? Uh, Take a number guess. How many do you think somebody could find in one flip book? And I didn't even tell you the size of the flip book. I just want to know how many do you think somebody could click in one image?
0: In one image? One image. Of something moving? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh God, I would I would say it would be rather low. Should be, yeah. Like I would say if you if you got one click, that you'd be doing well. Yeah, that is mean, right. like be. you'd be very excited. Like oh my God, I saw it move. Yeah. Uh, so
2: you should get one every time you flip through maybe twenty or thirty of our flip books. Okay. And that's being generous. But somebody and I, he may have he or she may have been out drinking, clicked. 2,200 things <laughs> in an image. What? That's our record breaker I mean, right was now. was what, what if it was I a have cat no idea like jumping on the yeah, keyboard yeah, or something that like that? Nobody hilarious.
1: knows you're a dog on the internet, right? <laughs> I think so we maybe there that was that a
2: image. cat that was going at yeah. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but right. what are we so, finding? You haven't told What are we looking oh, for? Oh, yeah, what's, what's, what's a
2: backyard world? So what we're looking for is two different things. Exciting thing number one. Planet Nine,
0: right,
2: in our solar system, which
0: would be a rogue planet, right? So no. no, no, it, it, it you, it's a planet that was flung out. Would that be it?
1: Ah, no, no. Planet Nine is this new thing. Okay, go right? ahead. Planet Nine, so Planet Nine is the the new Pluto, almost not really, but kind of. So Mike Brown. Right. Oh, oh, okay. tic- oh this so, is
0: this is the gravity anomaly that happened yes. to the outside of the Kuiper, know. the Kuiper yeah, belt. Chuck OK, hey, you got it. Yeah. OK. All right. Cool. And
1: so Mike Brown, the Pluto killer, thinks that um, the they so they've studied a lot of the Kuiper belt objects and they think that because of the way that the orbits are distributed, mm-hmm. that something even bigger e- but further away has got to be out there kind of. Making the orbits align the way that they are, gotcha. and so they have a predicted orbit, but you don't know where this thing could be along its orbit. That's a lot of the sky to search through. It's kind of like a huge sandbox, and you're looking oh. for
2: one slightly bigger pebble. So That's, we, we, but, think it's, yeah, we. So we think it's out there. We, no one has seen it, right. and no one knows where it is. Right. So your best shot at finding it, and Mike Brown actually gave us a shout out in his talk at the Space Telescope Science Institute the other day, saying he awesome. thought we had the best chance of finding it. Oh, that's a big huge, right? Is huge, yeah. yeah. So killer Mike Brown gave us a shout out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, other than that shout out, I mean, we do have we're scanning the entire sky, right. look at things that move, and we invite citizen scientists to participate. So, how great a story is that? If you know, right. Any a kid, An- a teacher, anybody. Yeah. Right. anybody a dog, a cat jumping on the keyboard. There's 2,200 frame Maybe yeah. one of those was Planet Nine, and we might
1: be able to find Rogue World, right? Because this is this project, this Backyard Worlds, is potentially also finding things outside of the solar system, right? Yeah. So, and what
2: would these be? So there are also objects that was there are two major things we could find. One is within our solar system, and that's Planet Nine. And the second most exciting thing is objects that are very close to the sun. But um, we just had missed because they're too cold in order for us to detect them through means of looking at like visible light. This is actually, I forgot to mention, it's infrared data. Ah. Uh, It's not visible light data. So it's also why it's special. And so we've got a good shot at using infrared data to find cold objects. And some of them may be as close as the closest star, but we'd never seen them before because we needed an infrared survey. And you need to flip through images in order to find them. Uh, and find find kind of ones that are outside of the box.
0: And anybody can click on and do this. Yeah, yeah. anybody. Wow. And what's wait? wait well, I'm am I'm gonna actually. Go, I'm, as soon <laughs> yeah. as this is over, <laughs> on I'm On your phone on you know the way after the yeah, We're not yeah. driving. We're on. Well, no, I'm we sober now. It. You know, yeah. so uh, this is a good time. You know, yeah. uh, And I'll be sober for at least the next. Oh, I'll say eight and a half minutes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, wait. What's the address again?
2: Backyard Worlds. Org.
0: Backyardworlds.org. Yep, backyardworlds.org. Cool. Worlds.org.
2: And so I can say that within the first six days, we. It only we just had, launched,
1: yeah, not that long
2: ago, right? Yeah, one month ago we launched it. Awesome. And we've had 27,000 volunteers that participated, and they have classified over 2.8 million flipbooks. Wow. wow. Right, that's a lot of flipbooks. That is but a lot there's
0: of still flipbooks. a lot
1: left because you've only uploaded some small portion of yeah. all the data, right?
2: That's right. So there's, so there's millions. More to come. There's millions more for people to do, and the, but the the awesome thing is within the first six days, one an astronomer. Actually, it's not an astronomer. It's a science teacher in Tasmania. Oh, he, um, him, and actually eight other people. Because I said we we right. want fifteen different eyes. <clears throat> looked at an object and identified it as moving. They thought it was red. And uh, we all got excited about it, and I was just awarded telescope time to (gasps) go look at it. Yay! uh, Tomorrow night, I'll follow it up with the IRTF telescope in Hawaii. Awesome! Follow us on Twitter because you might actually see us talking about this on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, yeah, I can. Well, tweet out what we end up finding tomorrow night. Yeah, but it looks like it's a very cold brown dwarf, very close to the sun that no one has ever seen before.
0: Wow! I just science teacher from
2: Tasmania. Clicking through is the first one to have sent it to that brought it to our attention in our talk page, and so and so there's a talk page with a forum and comments the same way that Karen was talking about for all these
1: projects.
0: This is fascinating. So Uh, cool! What a brilliant uh, first of all, what a just a brilliant approach to to because you're looking at so much data that you have to sift through. That if you just relied on your own people. I mean, how long would this take? There's
1: like a Kevin week that we talked about. That was how how Galaxy Zoo started, is how quickly could all of these citizen scientists reproduce a Kevin week, and it was within minutes or something like that. That's amazing. There's like... A Jackie year or something like that of, <laughs> of people that have, you know, what everybody can do all at once when we put our, our right. hi- heads and our eyes together yeah. to look at this. And so, Star Talk listeners, check out Zooniverse.org, BackyardWorlds.org, GalaxyZoo.org. We've got to wrap it up. Oh. But it was great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks to Chuck Nice, my comedic co host, and Jackie Faraday, my wonderful collaborator from the Museum of Natural History, and Karen Masters, who's with us earlier on Skype from the UK. Uh, I've been your host, Emily Rice. Thanks for listening and stay curious.
0: This is Star Talk.